How's everyone doing? There we go. There's some energy. I like it. I like it. Well, hey, my name is Rasika. I'm the office manager and student ministries director here at Radiant Life. And I'm also a pastoral student through Oklahoma Wesleyan University. And I have been given the honor and privilege to come up and give a message today. And I'm so excited to to come and bring this message that I've been preparing and that the Lord has been speaking to me and through me. And uh, I want to just first, before we start, I want you guys, we haven't done this in a while, turn to your neighbor and say, good morning. Okay, now turn to the other neighbor that you neglected and say, are you ready? Awesome. Awesome. All right. Hey, well, first I have to um, put up a little disclaimer. So you see some rocks. Does everyone see the rocks up here? Okay. First, I'll get to the rocks, and you'll figure out what that's for. Uh, the disclaimer is, these are not to throw at me if the message is not what you like, okay? Uh, also, we're not going to throw these through windows, uh, especially the church, but just in windows in general. Let's not use these as weapons. Uh, but I will get to the rocks a little later in the message, and you'll see why they're laid up on the stage here. Uh, but this morning, we are going to jump back into our series called Upside Down Kingdom, and we've been working through this series the past few weeks, and we've had some really cool little uh, moments where we brought some students up on stage to read scripture, and we'll, we'll bring our student up in just a moment. Uh, but the Upside Down Kingdom series that we've been working through the past few weeks is talking about God's kingdom and how it seems upside down compared to the world that we live in today, and especially the world that Jesus's followers and his audiences uh, lived in back then, and how often Jesus' teaching through his parables seemed quite contrary to what uh, people in Jesus's time would have known, the laws that were um, taught to them and spoken to them, uh, what they would have grown up with from wee little tots to their adulthood, they would have learned the laws um, through Pharisees, through scribes, people who knew a lot about the laws. Uh, but then Jesus steps on the scene and he kind of just kind of is contrary to what they're used to. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about a parable this morning. Uh, and maybe you're new to the church and that's okay. And maybe you're new to church lingo. That's all right. A parable is simply a way to tell a story in which somebody would understand. So this morning, I'm going to tell you a story of Goldilocks and the three bears. If I turn my clicker on here. And when I was uh, preparing this message and I knew that I wanted to put the slide in, I had to do a little bit of research because I do remember the story from a child. However, there's actually two stories to this story. There's the childhood version where most of you probably know, and then there's like the original folktale and it's a little bit gruesome. But I'm going to tell you a little bit of both of the stories. So Goldilocks, sweet little Goldilocks here, she decides one day she's going to go outside and play. She chases a butterfly and it takes her into the woods. Well, Goldilocks gets confused and turned around and she doesn't know directions like me. Uh, And she gets lost. And so she's looking around trying to find somebody to help her get back home. Well, she stumbles upon this house in the woods and she thinks, okay, I am going to go knock on the door, ask these people for help. Well, she knocks on the door and the door opens. And so like any regular person, she walks into this house. (laughs) Well, Goldilocks, she is just hypnotized by this amazing aroma of porridge that is on the table. And so she decides, I am actually going to taste test this food that's in this random stranger's house. I'm sure they won't mind. So she goes to the first big bowl and it's hot and she takes a bite and she says, this is too hot. I don't like it one bit. She moves on to the middle bowl 
And she says, oh, this one tastes okay, but it's still a little cold. Again, not my favorite. Then she finds this little baby bowl, and she says, this one is it. This is amazing. It's not too hot, not too cold. It's perfect. So she proceeds to eat all of the porridge in this tiny little baby bowl. So after her belly is full, she moves on to the living room and thinks, I'm just going to sit down, wait for the homeowners to return, and then they'll be able to help me get home. Well, she goes into the living room and she sees three chairs. Again, a big, medium, and small chair. So she sits in the big chair. She says, this is too firm. Don't like this one. She moves to the middle chair and says, this is too squishy. Don't like this one either. Then she moves to the little baby chair and she says, this is perfect. This is like the recliner of all recliners. This is like what you sit in when you watch college football on a Saturday. You just, you zone out, you nap out. So she's sitting there getting comfy and cozy and the chair breaks. All right. And she says, well, what am I supposed to do now? My belly's full. I'm waiting for these people to get home, these homeowners to get home so they can help me. I know what I'll do next. I'll go up to their bedroom and sleep in their bed. Again, I don't know how many people go into houses and sleep in other people's beds, but Goldilocks decides it's a good idea. So she makes her way up the stairs, finds the bedroom, and again, three beds. All right. So she climbs into the first bed and she says, this is too firm. This is not going to work. So then she moves to the middle bed and says, no, again, too squishy. The middle chair, the middle bed, squishy. Then she makes her way into the third small little bed. And she says, this one, this has got to be a Tempur-Pedic because this is great. And she goes to sleep with a full belly, expecting the homeowners to return. Well, the homeowners do return and the homeowners are bears. So they walk into their house and they say, somebody's been here because our porridge is been eaten. And the little baby bear says, well, my porridge is gone. They say, okay, let's look in the living room, make sure that, you know, the person still isn't here. They move to the living room and they say, well, our chairs, they've been sat in and this doesn't look right. So uh, baby bear goes, well, you know what? My chair's broken. Like, why is all my stuff getting taken and broken? And then they move upstairs and mama bear and papa bear are saying, our beds have been slept in. This is a little weird. And baby bear says, yours may have been slept in, but I've got somebody sleeping in my bed right now. The childhood version story would say that Goldie bear or Goldie bear, Goldilocks woke up to three bears around her, got so scared that she ran out of the house, found her way home. The traditional story is that the bears ate Goldilocks. I think if you're going to stumble into a house of, that is owned by bears, you kind of deserve what you get. <laughs> but this is the way that Jesus uh, taught. He taught in story fashion and a parable that helped his audience understand what he wanted to teach them about the kingdom of heaven, about his father's kingdom. So it just was an easier, simple way to get the moral of the story across to his audience. And very much like the moral of this story, which is to not go into strangers' houses, Jesus taught in this fashion. So this morning, we're going to look at Matthew uh, 7, 24, and we're going to read about the parable of the two foundations. And through this series, we've had students come up and read. So I'm just going to ask you as a church body to stand. And I'm going to have Sophia come up, and she's going to read our parable this morning. You said 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them in practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying this, these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he, he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Thank you very much. Can we give it a round? You're good. Thank you. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm going to pray for us this morning before we jump into the message. And so, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here today. Lord, we just thank you so much for your love and your protection. And we just pray that you just open our hearts and our ears and our mind as we just tune in to hear from you and your word. Lord, allow us to leave uh, with this message permeated on our hearts. And Lord, allow us to live by your teachings. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to go through this passage again. We're going to break it down just a little bit more because there are a lot of good things within the passage that I think get skimmed over quite a bit when we read through it. So if you have your Bible, tablet, you're a note taker, now is the time to get those things out, get prepared and get ready. And here we go. So Matthew 7, 24 through 29, verse 28 says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, oh, I'm sorry. We're, We're going back. There we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a what man? A wise man who built his house on the rock. See, Jesus doesn't say, just hear these things and don't do them. Jesus actually says, no, the person who hears them and acts on them, they will be wise. We actually see this in James uh, verse one, uh, sorry, chapter one, verse 22 through 25, specifically looking at chapter 22, verse 22. Uh, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Jesus didn't say, hey, everyone in these audiences, as I teach these parables and teach you about the upside down kingdom that is of Christ, I want you just to hear it. And then after this, maybe go to the market and go home and cook some dinner and just completely forget about what I've taught. No, Jesus said, I want you to hear these words and I want you to act on these words of mine. That's how we're going to live kingdom-minded and as followers of Christ because it really boils down to obedience. You see, true followers of Christ will live lives of simple obedience, not perfectly, but consistently. If you're sitting in this room thinking you have to be a perfect follower of Christ, I wanna tell you that That's just not going to happen. You're not going to be perfect. Jesus was perfect. He is the one who was without sin and is without sin, and yet he came down and took our sins on the cross so that we could live in freedom. So we're not called to live perfectly. We're called to live within consistent obedience. We continue by reading, The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Then he continues by saying, But everyone who hears these, hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a what man? A foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
the rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Do you see the word illustration that Jesus is giving us? How easily the storm comes in and takes down the house on sand. Now last year, many of us remember the storm, correct? How many of you remember that storm? Show of hands. How many of you had to clean up after that storm by branches, trees? Okay, so quite a few. I was lucky enough not to have many branches down, but I do know many families in the church who had significant amount of trees and limbs to clean up, so much so that they even got stuck in their own driveways and got stuck in their homes. And many went without power for weeks. I mean, it was, it was awful. And if, you're ask, if you'd ask me today, I'd say it was probably a tornado. I don't know that it was classified as that. But the pictures are just amazing. And my friend Jenny sent me this picture. And uh, the one picture I really wanted to use, it just unfortunately didn't come through clear enough, but it was a picture of uh, an aerial shot. And it was trees. And it looked like an alien UFO had landed, like right in the trees. It was just amazing. And I remember after some of the storm cleanup was done, I took a little scenic drive just to see all of the damage. And uh, I, I took Mintdale Road, which I cannot tell you directions because I'm not good at directions. Uh, I still use GPS in Sturgis. So uh, (laughs) I've lived here for 23 years and I still use GPS in Sturgis. So don't ask me for directions. I don't know what north, east, west, and south mean. Uh, If you say drive past the tree that looks like the squirrel, I'll be like, I got you. I know where that is. I know where the squirrel tree is. Uh, (laughs) However, I took took a drive down Mintdale Road and it's just amazing to see that a storm that we didn't really predict um, or know the severity of it caused this much damage. And I think as I was preparing for this message this week, I honestly related to these trees a little bit because throughout storms in our lives, though we're still standing like these trees, you may feel like this after you've gone through a storm in life. You may feel like I'm still standing, but the branches and the damage have happened and I'm okay, but I'm not okay. And so Jesus paints this picture for his followers and for his audience as well. He says, listen, you're going to go through storms in life and you're going to have really hard times and there may be some damage left behind. So know your foundation. The passage continues by saying, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. All right, let's Bible nerd for just a second because I love learning about biblical text and context and knowing the audience. And so I want to share it with you this morning. So first, scribes. Scribes are people who knew the law like the back of their hand, okay? These people knew it all and they were literally walking textbooks at this point, okay? Now, a lot of scribes were Pharisees and we read about Pharisees throughout the Bible. They were the uber-religious people. But not every Pharisee was a scribe, So it's important to note that. But these two groups of people, they knew it. They knew what they were talking about. They taught people. These are the laws that the people are living by because they are being taught by scribes and Pharisees, okay? So when Jesus is talking and teaching this parable to his audience, to his followers, they are astonished because he is teaching with such authority like a scribe would teach. And... On top of that, on top of all of those cool facts, Jesus is teaching this parable near the Sea of Galilee. And it's important to note that the Sea of Galilee has a very, very cool feature about it. 
So through part of the year, the Sea of Galilee, the coast actually becomes very hard. The sand becomes alluvial. It becomes alluvial sand, so much so that it, it literally looks like it could be rock. So when Jesus is teaching this, people, are, people know. They're like, oh, we know what you're talking about because the foolish man would look at the sand and think, this is good foundation. This is a rock. I'm building my house on this, and it's good. But... Many would know, and a wise man would know, that throughout the year and through the winter times, the rains come, and the alluvial sand actually gets washed out. So a wise man would know to build his foundation and dig about 10 feet into the ground to make sure that his foundation was sure and steady, and that it wasn't going to be washed out by any storm. And Jesus would have known this especially because he was a carpenter. So we have to assume that he's learned this um, information through maybe his father as he took, up, took on his apprenticeship and as he learned how to be a carpenter, he would have probably built houses in this area, it's, it's safe to say. But it's so cool because the people were not only astonished that Jesus knew this and that they knew about the sand, but he is painting this picture for them, allowing them to see that, yes, the alluvial sands may seem like a good foundation to build your house on, but we all know that that's not the right foundation, that you have to have intentionality. You have to put work in, you have to dig deep, and you have to be sure that the foundation that you're building your house on is actually solid and sure. So this morning, we're going to be talking about maybe some foundations that you're building. So again, if you're a note taker, this is your time to shine, get those pens ready. You're going to be going fast. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about foundations of sand, what culture calls us to, and foundations of rock, what God calls us to. And we're going to have a couple of subcategories, which I'll walk us through as well. So we're going to look at the subcategory of faith this morning. And culture says that it's okay to just attend church. All right? A lot of times culture sees this as a checkbox, as something that it's just a to-do list. Like, yep, I got up in the morning, I made some coffee, I got ready, I went to church, dropped $10 on the tithe bucket, and I left, and then I'm going to go about my week as normal as if I haven't been to church. And it's okay because I checked it off the list. Culture says that's okay. But God actually calls us to get plugged into biblical community. And through biblical community, we'll be built up, we'll be encouraged, and we'll have people that walk alongside us when the storm hits in life. And that's why here at Radiant Life, we emphasize and stress that life groups are so very important. As we get bigger, because we are getting bigger as a church, we have to get smaller. We have to be intentional about getting into biblical community. So next week, we're actually launching life group signups. And if you have any questions, you can head to our website or Pastor Brandon will be out in the lobby after service. If you feel called to lead a life group, talk to Pastor Brandon. He wants to have those conversations. But I want to challenge each and every one of you next week as the life group list launches that you take intentional time about praying. Um, Maybe you need to be in a life group. You need this biblical community. I talked to a lady after church, uh, after first service, and, and she said, this was what I needed. I needed that call to action. I needed that challenge because I know I need to be plugged into a biblical community. So next week, the list drops and launches, and I want you all to check out that list. Or if not, talk to Pastor Brandon or talk to any of us on staff. We'd love to have that conversation about life groups with you. Culture will say that just memorizing scripture is okay. How many of you have heard of Awana? Oh, I wanna, Awana, Awana, Awana? 
okay? Uh, or sword drills. How many of you know sword drills? Okay, sword drills. I should have explained this in first service, but I have the time to do it now. Sword drills are where you take your Bible and somebody yells out a verse and then you have to find it really quick and then you raise your Bible up when you found it. So culture would say, that's okay. Just memorize scripture. And I think a lot of us sitting in this room know the flat, like I would say like the motto um, or the main uh, verse that we all should memorize is John three sixteen. And culture would say, yep, that's great. You've memorized it. You're doing the things. Good job. But you know what? God actually calls us to apply scripture to our lives. We read in 2 Timothy 18, it says, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do, what teaches us to do what is right. We're not just supposed to read it and keep it to ourselves. We're supposed to apply it to our lives. Just like Jesus says, don't just hear these words, but do be doers of the word. Next is conduct of your tongue. And what about this culture says is gossip and slander and lies is okay. And I've heard before, and honestly, I've been a part of just ranting or venting or just getting together with some friends and the conversation turns and it turns into gossip, slander, or lies. But that's what culture says is okay. God says that we are to build each other up with our words and we read in Ephesians 4, 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And the last category we're gonna look at today is success. And as a 25-year-old female who grew up with social media, uh, Facebook was popular when I was maybe in fifth grade. I think I remember it coming about. And so I've grown up with Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok. If you don't know what TikTok is, you don't want to know what TikTok is. It is a waste of time. That's what it is. I partially blame TikTok for today, like kids today, like uh, their short attention spans, uh, because I'll be scrolling through TikTok and I'm like, man, I don't want to watch this 30 second video. And I'm like, wow, it is 30 seconds. I need to calm down. Uh, TikTok is a waste of time. Don't don't check it out. But I've grown up with social media as kind of this. Um, almost a precedent of what I don't have. And it's so easy to compare. It's so easy to see people on social media or even just you know, in the midst of conversations that you've had with people. Um, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I've done this and this and this. And it's so easy to become jealous. And society says that's okay because what you should do is you should actually strive for more. That's what society says. Society says what you have now is not okay. You should actually get this, this, and this, and that will make you happy. But God actually says that we're called to be content. We read in uh, Philippians 4.11 that uh, Paul is writing uh, a letter to uh, a church and he says, not that I was ever in need for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. So what would it look like for you to be content today? As you leave church and you get into your car, what would it look like to say, you know what? I am so blessed that I have a means of transportation to get me from point A to B, even though it's not the newest Camaro, even though it's not the newest ride and it's not the greatest, what would it look like to be content in that? What would it look like to be content with your job, even though it may not be where you want to be or maybe you're not making the money that you want to make? What would it look like for you to be content? What would it look like for you to be content in the season of life that you're in right now? Maybe you are striving for retirement, or maybe 
I'm 25 and I'm striving for retirement. (laughs) What would it look like for you to say, this is not ideal where I'm at in my season of life, but you know what? I'm going to be content and I'm going to wait on the Lord because I know that he loves me so much that he's working on the doors to open. I just have to be still and I have to wait on his timing. What would that look like for you and your life right now? And you can apply that to anything, but what would it look like for you to be content? Billy Graham sums this all up really well, and he says, any other foundation will fail, but Christ is a sure and steady rock to build your life on. Can I just tell you that when I was preparing this message this week, uh, Pastor Brandon was so very kind to help me load my slides into this program so I can click through with ease and you guys can take notes, uh, because I'm still learning the ins and outs of how to be a speaker. Uh, But Pastor Brandon really challenged me, and he said, hey, uh, since this is about obedience, this message is about obedience and your foundation, you know, I really, I, I would challenge you to tell a personal story of the storm that you've walked through. And I looked at him a little weird and I said, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> However, I totally feel like the Holy Spirit has just brought me into a season of vulnerability. So I wanted to share a little bit of a storm that I've walked through and maybe you can relate or maybe you know somebody who can relate. Um, but this is just my storm that I walked through. So at age 15, I was going uh, into freshman year, and I remember being so excited because it was high school, and I am not the person who likes school, so I was like, yes, I'm so much closer to graduation, and I can get out of here. But I was so excited, and I was just ready to see what freshman year held, and I remember it just kind of all brewed, like the storm brewed just so perfectly well that uh, I remember um, I was starting to not feel well. I was starting to feel ill. And so I was uh, taken into the hospital just thinking it was actually mono. Um, but what it ended up being was I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And it's an autoimmune illness. Um, I will forever have it. I have it now. Um, praise the Lord that it's, I'm doing well with it. Um, but in the middle of that, uh, we were also, my family was also losing their house. Uh, losing our home, and uh, my parents were going through a divorce. Uh, So what should have been a really joyous time in life really wasn't. Um, I remember asking the Lord why. I remember being angry at the Lord. I remember there were times where I doubted what God had for me. But in the midst of the storm, I knew that I had a safe haven, and that was youth group. And I think that's why the Lord has put such a passion on my heart for the next generation. Because I know that if I can be a safe haven, if we at Radiant Life, if other churches in the area, if our youth programs can be safe havens for kids who are going through storms at home, then that's a win. So I tell you this because the storm is inevitable. It's gonna come. It hit me at 15. I still go through storms today And if you're in a storm right now, or maybe you've come out of a storm, or maybe if you don't know it, you're going into a storm, it's going to come, all right? Jesus even says that the rains came and the winds blew. The storm was coming, and he was telling his people, listen, you have to be aware and alert that life is going to hit, and life is going to hit hard. Your survivability is based on your foundation. What foundation are you building? Are you building on foundation of sand or are you building on the foundation of rock so this morning we're going to do a call to action 
We're gonna play a song and there are rocks on the stage and this is just a time to move. And if you're willing to say, I am publicly declaring that I'm building my life on the foundation of Christ, then I wanna invite you to come up and pick up a rock. And if you're not there, that's okay. I'm not asking you to go outside of your comfort zone if you're not prepared to take this declaration, all right? The prayer partners are gonna be in the corners. If you need prayer, maybe you've been building on a, on a foundation of sand for a long time. Maybe you don't really know what it looks like to build on a foundation of rock and you just need prayer. They're gonna be down there. Everything that you talk to them about is confidential, but they want to pray with you. It would be an honor and a privilege, privilege to pray with you. But as the song plays, I just want to invite you to pray and seek the Lord. And then when you feel called to move, to move down and to pick up a rock. And let this be a remembrance that you are building your life on Christ. And that relationship, he wants that with you. You see, building your life on a, sound, a foundation of Christ and a solid foundation, a rock foundation, it's not going to be easy. You have to be intentional with that foundation. Like the wise man, you have to dig deep into your relationship with Christ. And God says that you have to know that the foundation that you're building on is worth it. It's work, but it's worth it. And so this morning as we wrap up and we sing this last song, I wanna invite you to stand and if you still need to move, there's rocks still up here on the stage. If you still need to move and worship, please do so. The altar is open. If you need to have prayer, the prayer team is still in the corners here. They would love to pray with you. If you just need to worship, the altar isn't just for prayer. It's also for worship. So we want to invite you to move. Maybe you need to uh, take a different posture of worship and you need to raise your hands or you need to kneel at your seat Please feel free to do that. The Holy Spirit is in this room and he wants to meet each and every one of us where we are. So join us as we sing, Build My Life.